Hey, it's Netta and I'm so excited to let you know that the Freedom from Cravings Formula program is open now. If you're ready to get rid of cravings, slim down and finally feel in control around food, especially sugar, all you need to do is to book a clarity call with me so that we can chat together to see if the program is a good fit for you. Go to aftersugarclub.com and click on the big green button, schedule a clarity call. See you soon. Welcome to the Life After Sugar podcast. The podcast that's not just about sugar, but about your relationship with it, and also with food, and especially with yourself. So if you want to discover your life after sugar, and hear inspiring stories from all kinds of people who also cut out sugar in their way, at their pace, for their own reasons, this is the podcast for you. Because you know, when you take away the sugar, you can finally discover the real sweetness in your life. I'm your host, Netta Gorman. Today I'm talking to you about the mistakes that many people make when they start reducing sugar. In the episode just before this one, episode number 70, I talked to you about the first two mistakes that I see a lot of people make when they want to reduce sugar. Mistake number one is not respecting your natural personality. And mistake number two is giving sugar a meaning. So if you haven't listened to episode 70 yet, I invite you to go back and do that. And then you can come back and listen to the three other mistakes that I'm going to be talking to you about today. And this week's episode of the Life After Sugar podcast is brought to you by the After Sugar Club, where you'll get all the resources you need to help you make those small but powerful mindset shifts and get guidance step by step on your personal path to feeling free from sugar so that you can get to a place where you don't even want it, need it or miss sugar anymore. You'll be part of a friendly, encouraging community of health-conscious people just like you. Most of us are also intermittent fasters, but not all of us. There's a place for everyone. You can sign up at aftersugarclub.com and click on the green button Join the club. All right, so here we go with mistakes number three, four, and five. Third mistake that people make, a lot of people replace sugar with other sweetness or even try to recreate, um, I don't know, like replace pasta with some other recreation or replace bread with some other recreation um, that's not so bad, okay? So... I'm not saying you can't do any of these. You can do whatever you want. What I'm saying is I can see it way from way off. I can see it coming that it's it's a mistake because you're sort of you're saying I want to change, but mm, I don't really want to change. So how about I change, but just a little bit uh, now. What we were talking about before, about going step by step. If you're the sort of person that is comfortable going step step by step, great, go for it. You can replace like really the white sugar with less bad sugar. And 
gradually bring it down, but all the while knowing that eventually it, it's probably better for you to cut it out, out completely. It's just you don't need to do it right now all at the same time. Mistake number four is feeding your cravings, and it's kind of related to mistake number three in the sense that, well, listen, I get it. I get it. It feels like when you're having a craving for sugar, it just feels like your cravings are overwhelming and there's nothing you can do about it. It's, it's just you can't say no. I totally get that. I've had that for 45 years. Yeah. It's like you have to give in to them. You have no power. No, not, you know, it's, yeah, I get it. And it's funny because maybe you crave sugar after every meal. I certainly used to feel that my meal was not complete if I didn't have something sweet after. It's like, you can't finish a meal just by putting your knife and fork down, can you? Or maybe you have these cravings at certain times of the month. Yeah, so, you know, that was certainly my case. Or when you're tired, or when you're stressed, or when you're sad, or whatever kind of human emotion or normal context you find yourself in, you may be having cravings in those contexts. And that little voice in your head, while you're craving, what's it saying? What's going on in your head? How can you change that internal chatter, that little voice that says, ah, just this once, ah, you deserve it, ah, you know, it'll make you feel better. I mean, it's all true, I'm sure. It's going on in your head, and it's what I call internal mental chatter. And do you feel powerless to stop it? And powerless, for me, is the operative word. Is it possible, or do you feel that it's possible to change this little voice in your head? I can tell you it's possible because I did it. But do you believe that it's possible for you? So if you believe that, oh, maybe it is possible to change what's, what I'm telling myself when I'm having a craving, if you just believe that it is actually possible for you, that's also a good sign. Evaluate what's going on. What's the internal chatter? What are the needs that you need to reevaluate it to meet? when you're having these cravings, okay? And what are they really about? What's behind the craving? So that's what I mean by feeding the craving. If you feed the cravings and you don't stop to evaluate, to analyze what's really going on, be, like below the surface, then you'll just be feeding the cravings with whatever immediately makes you feel better. And, you know, I get it, I get it. I did it for years and years. And the last mistake that, I see people make is not taking action. So what do I mean by that? It's like, you know, that internal chatter I was talking about. I'll start Monday. Ah, oh, I'm not ready. Which, you know, I said for the longest time, I can do this on my own. I don't need you to help me. I can have a cheat day. How about I do, you know, what Netta, you know, proposes for six days and then on day seven, I can have a cheat day. And I think personally that the whole concept of cheat days belongs to the diet world and the diet mentality. And in a way kind of sends a message to, to yourself that 
what you're doing on this during those six days is not what you really want to do. And what you really want to do is on day seven. Whereas I flip that on its head and I say, listen, you need, like, I'm going to teach you to live your life every single day as what you want to do. There is, there are no exceptions because you're not living your life on the sidelines of what you really want to do. You really want to feel better and free yourself, break free from sugar. And if you really want that and you want to live day in, day out, feeling so much better, what do you need an exception from? You know, they say build a life that you don't need a break from. Yeah. And so all this kind of, you know, cheat day and, and cheat meals. Yeah, it's just not part of the approach here. And, you know, things like, I just want to have fun. It's my birthday. Of course you want to have fun. Why would you only have fun on your birthday? Why wouldn't you have fun every day? You know, why keep it for special occasions and not for everyday life? You can have fun every day. You don't have to wait till a special occasion and you don't have to wait for sugar to have fun either. So it's a whole mindset shift in the life after sugar approach. I just want to take a quick break to introduce you to my partner for this podcast, Medicine with Heart, which is an international functional medicine clinic specializing in difficult chronic cases of hormone imbalance, Lyme disease, mold illness, and digestive dysfunction. You can sign up for a consultation with their team to see if they can help reverse your disease. Find out more about them at medicinewithheart.com. It, it sounds like impossible, but maybe Meta knows what she's talking about. And maybe I can give it a try and maybe it will work for me. Our taste buds are so jacked up on sweet tastes and not natural sweet tastes, like manufactured sweet tastes by the food industry. But quite honestly, I don't think we know what real tastes of real foods, are, you know, what they taste like anymore. And then we drown everything in salad dressings and in condiments. We don't even know what food tastes like anymore. And I'll tell you, a it's not a secret, but I'll tell you for me, after all these years of being sugar-free, operative word is free, I don't even like sweet tastes anymore. I don't even look for sweet tastes or try to replace them because I quite honestly don't even like sweet tastes anymore. And I was the biggest sweet tooth ever you know so yeah it's crazy and I think that's what's really the key to living sugar-free long term or to making any kind of habit change long term or lifestyle change is that it becomes part of your new normal and it isn't on the sidelines of your life you don't need a break from how you're living your life because how you're living your life a hundred percent fits you and fits how you want to live your life yeah it's major it's major and that's what's at, at the heart of the life after sugar approach but even before I started the hardest part was like resisting it like saying it won't work for me it's fine for you 
it won't work for me because I'm the biggest sweet tooth around and life is going to be dull and joyless and boring uh, and painful without chocolate, without sugar. So in that sense, I got in my own way. And that was one of the hardest parts for me is to get out of my own way. The once I actually did start to, to cut out sugar, that one of the most difficult things was it just felt weird to not have something sweet at the end of, the, of a meal or at the end of the day. Because um, I was so used to finishing a meal with, with something sweet, even if it was a piece of fruit, although that was rare. I usually go for like a real dessert. And then at the, at the like I'd always have something sweet at the end of dinner and I'd always have a sweet snack um, sometimes during the evening once my kid was in bed or something. And not having that felt weird. It felt like something was missing. Um, it felt like I didn't know what to do with myself. Like, what do I do with that extra time? Or what do I do with that hole that was left by not having that sort of habit anymore? I guess you, like me, we have to learn how to sit with that discomfort. And if I suppose on the grand scale of things, uh, you know, how discomforts go in, in life, it's not such a big discomfort if you think about it. I mean, you know, I, I consider it's a bit of a first world problem to have, not to have your cookie after your meal. And I had to give myself a bit of a talking to at some point to say, Netta, you know, if this is like your biggest problem, then life is pretty good. And so I just had to talk to myself to say, yeah, okay, put your knife and fork down, stop and be grateful for the meal that you just had. Why is it not enough? Why is my meal not enough? Why do I always want something else? And that can be for dessert as much as it can be for something else in your life. And that's quite an uncomfortable kind of existential question to be asking yourself. It's not just on a surface level. Yes, initial discomfort, but then um, after a bit, your body actually quite honestly feels better not to have the sweets and the flour, like your joints move better, totally. It's like, it's like what would you prefer? Um, short-term discomfort for long-term feeling better or short-term feeling better for long-term discomfort? And often we look short-term, right? So we are like, now, now, I call that the Tylenol effect. I want it now. I want to feel better within 20 minutes. Never mind if I have joint pain. Never mind if I have inflammation. Never mind if I, you know, put on 30 pounds or I get, I'm pre-diabetic at the end of it. I want it now. Whereas I'm turning that on its head as well and getting you to think about, you know, how about having a teeny tiny bit of discomfort now? for feeling better for the rest of your life, long term. Yep, I think one of the main mistakes that I see people make, including myself, is to import the diet brain, the diet mentality, the diet culture approach to life after sugar. In other words, to look at things like, okay, I'm gonna do this short term, 
I'm going to deny myself, I'm going to suffer until I get to this short-term goal and let's face it, for most people it's weight loss and once I've reached my goal or my goal weight or whatever it is, then I'll just go back to how things were before because this is all temporary. And as well as the five mistakes that I just mentioned, this one of applying the diet brain or the diet mentality is one of the worst offenders. And again, I don't exclude myself. I did it, but I also was able to step out of that and realize just how counterproductive it is. So here's a summary of the five mistakes. Mistake number one is not respecting your natural personality. Maybe you're more of a moderator or maybe you're more of an abstainer or something in between, but respecting your natural personality when you're trying to make quite a big change like reducing or cutting sugar is one of the keys to success. And not respecting your natural personality is one of the mistakes that I see people make. Mistake number two is giving sugar a meaning. Because here's the thing, sugar is an inanimate object. It doesn't have a personality. It doesn't have any kind of moral value. And we as humans, we as people, have the power to give it whatever meaning we want to give it. And that meaning can also change. That's our personal power the power to give whatever meaning we want to an inanimate object like sugar. Mistake number three is to replace sugar with other sweeteners. And I realize that this can help in like a transition period when you're first reducing sugar. But long term, I found that you're way better off reducing your need for sweetness rather than replacing it all the time. So you can actually train your taste buds to enjoy less sweetness because sweet tastes can actually keep your sweet tooth alive and then you're kind of fighting it forever. Mistake number four is feeding your cravings. And I get how overwhelming cravings can feel because I've been there. But the amazing thing is that cravings don't have to be an automatic part of your life. If you don't feed them with the foods that create cravings, then quite frankly, you won't be bothered with cravings again. Ask me how I know. I've been living happily craving free for seven years and I'm not magic, promise. And mistake number five is not taking action. Oh, I'll start on Monday. Oh, I'm not ready. Listen, I was definitely not ready to cut sugar out of my life, but I was also not ready to carry on suffering like I was. So what made the difference for me is that I was ready to be open-minded enough to give it a try, even though I resisted it for the longest time. Don't do what I did. Don't resist for months and years. Take action and take action sooner rather than later. And if you're looking specifically for sugar and flour-free recipes, as well as tips about looking after your gut health, check out my website, aftersugarclub.com, where you'll find videos about what to eat, how to avoid hidden sugars when you go grocery shopping, 
and what the deal is with gut health and fermented foods. You can also download my simple guide to getting more energy. Go to aftersugarclub.com and click on the tab Simple Guide. And if you're an intermittent faster, then I have five tips for you to help get rid of cravings that may be getting in the way of the easy and natural intermittent fasting lifestyle that you're looking for. You'll find those at aftersugarclub.com. You can also find lots of free resources on the Life After Sugar YouTube channel, on the Life After Sugar Facebook page, and come and subscribe to my Instagram, which is at mylifeaftersugar, where I post pictures of what I eat, what I do, and sometimes pictures of our cat, (laughs) so that you can see that it is totally possible to live an active, happy, and fun life even if you don't eat sugar. And for a deeper dive into your relationship with sugar and how you can work towards freeing yourself from the hold that sugar has on you so that you can get to that place of joyful freedom from sugar that I've been living for almost seven years and experience what it feels like not to want, need or even miss sugar anymore than the After Sugar Club is for you. Check it out at aftersugarclub.com. And if this podcast is inspiring you to take one more step towards your life after sugar, then could I ask you to please scroll down and leave the podcast a lovely five-star rating and leave a short review to let me know how this podcast is inspiring you to break free from sugar your way and find the real sweetness in life. And if this is your first time here, don't forget to subscribe to the Life After Sugar podcast so that it appears magically in your podcast player every Sunday. Thank you for listening. That's it for this week. Keep in touch and see you soon for another episode.